0: Best Friends Finance, because when women talk about money, it's worth a million. Hey everyone, welcome to Best Friends Finance, where we empower women to take control of their financial future by talking about money with friends. I'm Amanda Kessler, and normally I would be introducing my co-host, Laura Ford, but today she's not my co-host. I get to interview Laura and her husband, Jeff. We have talked a lot about our money stories, about our money transformations over the past few years, and um, our partners come into play a lot of times in our stories. And so we thought, wouldn't it be interesting for you, our listeners, to actually hear from one of those partners who's lived through this transformation with Laura. So Laura and Jeff, thank you so much for chatting with us today.
1: We're
2: excited. Yes, we are.
0: (laughs) Jeff does not look excited. I can only see how he's... Oh, there he is. No, No, I want to see you so I can see you roll your eyes. Come on, buddy. This is going to be so fun. Um, I know, Lauren, I might be a little more excited about this than you are, Jeff. Oh, is that an IPA? I mean, I tried to loosen them up. (laughs) that was smart okay sorry this is when we need video for sure um okay so um i hope that that this is the first of several we we did talk to sarah and chris helms but they are certified relationship coaches you guys are are just a normal not just but you are a normal married couple without any specific expertise in financial planning relationships whatever but you have been through the ringer together um as have steve and i and have come out in a much better spot. So I want to start because everybody knows Laura's money story. Jeff, for our listeners, can you tell us a little bit about you, what you do? We know you own and operate a retail store, but can you tell us a little bit more about that?
2: Yes, I am a retailer. Um, I am in the hardware retail industry. I've been in the hardware uh, retail industry for probably ever since I was 19, I'm guessing. So...
0: So this was a family business, or
2: it it is. I I worked for companies and then always wanted to have my own business. And then yes, I went. uh, Our family purchased a hardware store, and yes, I am in a family business today.
1: Ask Jeff where we met. Where'd you meet?
2: We met at a hardware store
1: (laughs) when I was
0: sixteen. Oh my goodness! Were you working? Were you both working there?
1: Yep. Fun fact. Oh, Jeff was the suave coworker who swept you off your feet. He used to ask me if I want to meet him back in Millwork. He would call my register phone.
2: That is a true story.
0: <laughs> okay, well, I, I don't know what Millwork is. Millwork is like the, um,
1: what is Millwork? Like
2: where the molding and lumber and stuff like
1: that. Okay, okay, got it. There's what a is? hidden
2: area in the store. Hidden
1: area. Oh,
0: we see the agenda. There,
2: Jeff. There's a hidden area in the store.
0: <laughs> okay. So you, you have been in hardware for a long, long time, and it ultimately has become a family business as well. So speaking of family, um, Laura and I have shared kind of our money stories and just how we perceived money in, in our childhood and growing up. Do you remember, like, wanting for anything, struggling? What do you remember about your childhood when it comes to finances?
2: I do not remember ever having any f- financial concerns or worries or whatever. It seemed like whenever our family needed something, it was always available for us to have um i mean we we i think we li- we lived probably a pretty modest life, probably upper middle class i'm guessing um but we didn't talk about money i mean I didn't get any money education until probably just this last year <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted my own things and so my parents would always just say no 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 their favorite word to me was no it seemed like whenever I wanted something ie my first car a horse or whatever it might have been and I always uh, went to work saved my own money and bought my own things and to this day I if there's something that I want I always am able to find a way to get it and so I always used to say, man, I'm going to teach my kids that exact same lesson. I'm going to, and it's hard to do. I mean, it's hard to tell your kids no, right? But I think that was probably one of the best things that probably could ever happen to me concerning money.
1: Right. So for instance, like he wanted a horse and his parents told him no. So he got a job at the barn picking stalls. And so he could purchase his own two horse. Jobs.
2: He had two yeah. jobs. at a grocery store and I went to work at a horse she worked at
1: Mineyards and yeah.
2: wore a bow tie. New huh. story. Anyway, but saved up enough money to buy my own horse. As a result, my family loved the horse business so much. We had our own company, Ford Quarter Horses, and we bought and sold horses probably for, I don't know, eight years and did it at a pretty high level. And we've owned all types of horses. So thanks to me, that was um, we would have probably never been in that business had I not uh, about the very first horse in our family.
0: Right. So I can't let my 12 year old hear this because she asked me for a horse every single day. And my answer is always, you can get a horse when you are a functioning adult living on your own and can make your own financial decisions. Not when you have the money, cause she would have the money in like three days. She'd figure it out.
2: Yeah, so that's, that's pretty,
0: I mean, yeah. as much as you had to do it yourself, they also gave you the license to make it happen. That's pretty cool.
1: Then he continued to work at the horse barn and pick stalls and that sort of thing in order to pay for the I, horse's board. Yeah, I paid like his, for
2: everything on my horse. I bought it. I paid for its board, all its upkeep, all its vet bills, everything.
0: So one thing I know about you guys is you both have tremendous work ethics. I mean, you, know, you met working at very young ages and have built a really successful um, home and hardware business, obviously not afraid of hard work. But this, this like financial transformation that has happened within your household has been more recent, just like it is in mine. I mean, Steve has been on board with it for since he was born. I just didn't join the train until much more recently. Um, but Jeff, can you tell me about how things are how things were before, especially around Laura and your interactions when it came to finances versus now?
2: Um, I think so I stop and I think about the way we were before and I compare that to some of the things that I learned uh, in podcast and what I learned in podcasts is that a lot is that a, you don't have to have a high uh, income to be financially independent. Uh, most of the people who just have jobs, most of them have side hustles. Most of them live within their means and most of them safe. And I stopped and I thought about that. And I was like, you know, Laura and I both have jobs. Um, We both have side hustles. Um, The only difference is, A, we don't live beneath or under our means. And B, we don't save any money. So we were spenders and not savers. And so I think that's kind of um, the biggest thing that's, you know, kind of I've learned here in the last little bit.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. interesting. I'm I'm actually looking for it right now. A friend just sent me an article called Scraping By on Five Hundred Thousand Dollars a Year. Why it's so hard for <laughs> yeah. Why it's yeah. so hard for high income earners to escape the rat race. And I think so many of us are conditioned to just spend every dollar that comes in, you know.
2: True story. We've done it for the last, you know, twelve years.
1: When, you can elaborate on this. One thing that Jeff hasn't mentioned yet, is that um, he also buys and sells real estate. So we may own a car wash, we may own storage units, we've owned several storage units two or three times, um, commercial buildings, all of these kind of things, anything that will provide residual income or mailbox money, if you will, but also will help pay down the debt of of the property that we own. And when we would sell those, we would make big lump sums of money. And he would always pull back enough money so that we could reinvest and go back into the market, but then we would take that excess
2: and we'd spend it. And
1: we would either, you know, increase our lifestyle, buy something that we've been wanting, whether it's furniture, take a trip, or whatever that looks like, um, as opposed to socking it away for retirement.
2: Mm-hmm. True.
1: But how incredible that you you did reinvest. I mean, the nice thing is
0: you've always p- put it into something else. Um, so that is smart, but yeah, I think that's just so common to spend every penny. It's lifestyle inflation, right? As our lifestyle, as our our income increases, therefore do our lifestyles, and they don't necessarily have to. As we're learning. So, so what was the the what was the the switch for both of you guys? Like, where did you hit a moment that you're like, we gotta stop spending every dollar we make.
1: I'm curious what you think. I think I know what...
2: I'd like to hear what you think.
1: So back-to-back years, we were hit with...
2: Oh, see, I don't even remember this stuff. But that's okay. <laughs> <clears throat>
1: Back-to-back years, we were hit with um, huge tax liabilities that we were completely unprepared for. And in the midst of both of those tax liabilities that we got hit for with, we also endured a flood. And while we had some flood insurance, it certainly did not cause, it did not cover half of what we needed to spend in order to put our home back together. So for me, it was like a trifecta, those three things, but in the midst of all of that, while you're trying to repay the IRS, put your house back together, you also are still living at the same means that you had set for yourself prior to these three events. And so it just, it was like robbing Peter to pay Paul. Does that sound fair?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So we I don't think we were ever in a position, like we were never in as bad of a position prior to this situation. Plus we had two kids in college um, and we had not saved for the girls' college. We put them through private school and allowed them to play tennis and follow their dreams. And we still look back and love the decision that we made there for our kids. Um, And we just always felt like we were going to be able to, cash flow, um, their college. And that wasn't going to be a problem for us. And we were able to put our first daughter through college and Addie's first year. And so, but now we've had to lean on student loans for her in the last three years. So Jeff, Do you feel like you had that same epiphany kind of at the same time, or do you
0: think yours was more a result of Laura having hers and saying, okay, we got to do this.
2: Uh, I think I think it's a combination of what happened to Laura and then probably our side hustle income probably not being as much as what it was. I mean, I didn't have as much monthly income with income producing properties. Then we got hit with all those things and it probably put us behind the curve a little bit.
0: Did uh, you sell off some pieces to fund other stuff, college, whatever?
2: Uh, I mean, I always, I don't sell off to to fund college. I always make business decisions and sell off based on, um, profit
1: mm-hmm. knowing
2: what I know now, you know, and, and now that my financial IQ is a little bit better than, you know, I probably should have retained some of that stuff because the, the long run income probably outweighs the short term capital gain, but, um, you know, live and learn whatever. As my accountant always told me, you're never going to go broke making money. So mm-hmm. it's not, it's not the end of the world, but, um, uh, you know, I think that's some mistakes that we've probably made along the way. Regardless of what our income would be today, we would had we had not had you had not introduced me to podcast, some of the financial we would still be living the same way that we live. We would just one hundred percent. We would just be We'd have know. high high income and we'd have high spending. We would just be. We would be at the exact same. I don't know that we would changed. So I mean, I think. I mean, I'm not blaming anything on. Not that our income has changed, mm-hmm. but
1: well, our inca- behavior has changed. Our behavior, if if we hadn't right, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I mean we still yeah. had to make all the behavioral changes despite what our income was or was not in order to shift to pay off to pay off debt and to start saving for the future.
2: I think we were good mm-hmm. earners and high spenders. Mm-hmm.
1: High income earners and high spenders.
2: spenders. And higher spenders. I mean, we always, we never were afraid to buy anything. Well,
1: we, we, we always thought we could just work our way through.
2: Yeah. But we never did save either.
1: Right. So what did you think before this, you know,
0: starting to listen to podcasts and really educate yourself uh, financially, what was your retirement plan? I mean, was there a retirement plan?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I feel like we have a retirement plan that we can fall back on. A lot of people in my industry... Um, who own businesses will sell the business, owner finance the business, sell the business outright, owner finance the real estate, keep the real estate for rental income. I mean, I, I've always we've always had that kind of to fall back on. Granted, we have a business. I mean, I guess there's no guarantee that you have a business someday, but um, that was kind of where I was our retirement.
1: Well, and it wasn't until, for whatever reason, my insecurities with money that we even started to have these conversations in our household. Um, And I think it was easy for me just to put it on him and make it his problem to figure out for us. I always just felt like that was who he was. He was the provider, he was gonna always take care of us. Um, and I really wanted to know like what the next 10, 15 years look like because in my mind, I want to be able to travel with him. I don't want him to always have to be at a brick and mortar store and never really be able to enjoy his life. And not that he doesn't enjoy his life, he totally gets to enjoy his life and he but he and he's super passionate about what he does. But I really envisioned something different for us where we could take, you know, a year off or six months off and really go and do something. Um, but it was when I started to really look through our accounts and the way that we were living when I recognized that if something didn't shift and change, that that wasn't going to be a reality for us. So Jeff, when Laura
0: started having these conversations with you, how'd you feel when she, I mean, I'm sure it was a huge shift for her to suddenly want to talk about financial planning and saving.
2: Uh, I mean, I'm pretty supportive of of what Laura wants to do most of the time. Um, I'm, I'm coachable. I'm open-minded, certainly open-minded to anything that's going to help our family. So I didn't, I didn't have a problem with it. And I'm, and I'm glad that it was uh, introduced to me. So, I mean, I, you know, I think it's the right thing. And uh, yeah, I'm just grateful that uh, it fell in our lap and that we're working towards it. And not only did
1: we listen to a lot of podcasts, because Amanda, you know, I've listened to a lot of podcasts, but we also listened to quite a few books on tape. And so one of our favorites was JL Collins simple path to
2: wealth
1: yes and Love that it. book for us it was just it put, he put it in layman's terms for us it was like you don't even have to save large amounts of money in order to get to where you want to go if you start early enough now we're starting a little bit later in life but there's still plenty of runway for us to hit our financial goals and just be, just be more diligent about where we're spending and how we're saving going forward and you, you I mean, he couldn't help but listen to that same stuff that I was listening to and get excited about it and say, okay, yes. So we know, Jeff, because Laura just did an episode and talked about it,
0: the incredible impact that you've made on, on your debt, how much money you've managed to save and work with in the last year, which is mind-blowing. And it seems like a lot of it is attributable to your Path to Success meetings, you guys, would, how did this come about? Like wh- whose idea was was this? How did you start them? What were the ground rules?
2: I'm guessing it was Laura's idea. Um, she's the organizer in our family. I'm just kind of the doer, right? So I, I'm i open to doing anything as long as somebody kind of shows me the path. So um, I would say that Laura probably instigated. I th- actually, we learned it on one of the podcasts where one of the, it was the financial, one of the financial freedom ones. I have no idea which one it was. We've listened to so many, but it was one of the ones where everybody would do different things to identify all the obstacles that they have to overcome, right? Or remember the one lady used taped every, taped a whole bunch of papers on a long screen and she would (laughs) rip one off until it was down to one page or whatever. And so I think Laura just put all our our issues and our plan on a paper. And we just made a plan and started chipping away at it little by little. I asked her today, how long, how long do you think we've been doing that? I mean, it seems like we've been doing it for a long time, so but, I- but I don't know. Laura's the one I instigated the to answer your question. And uh, we, I look forward to it every Sunday. I'm not going to lie. It's, I'm excited about it sitting down because I'm at the point now where it's going in a positive direction for um, savings right? So we've kind of knocked out all the stuff and now it's growing money. So to me, I'm like, I can't wait till Sunday comes around because I'm going to get to grow some money, you know? So that's, you know, that's what I like about it, but we worked at it. It took us, you know, it took us a year to, to do it and we're still not where we need to be, but we're, we're real, we're getting there.
1: And I would say too, that we didn't always agree just so everybody isn't, just so that it's crystal clear. We didn't always agree about, what should be paid off first or what shouldn't be paid off first. And I always think that my way is best. I don't, that's just who I am. Um, (laughs) That's one of my, that's, that's one of my faults. Um,
2: She's not as coachable,
1: not as coachable. (laughs) (laughs) I like to think I'm coachable, but, well, but I, I, I felt like because I was putting in the time and listening that I had more financial, I had a higher financial IQ, if you will, about how to attack the debt. And so When he wouldn't respond the way I wanted him to, Amanda, I would like make him listen to a podcast or I would go find an article to back why I wanted to do it the way I want to do it. So I would say even through that, he was very, like he said, he was coachable. He was, he would listen and, or he would read what I would put in front of him that way. It helped clear. It it was like that third party validation where he didn't just think he was doing it because it was my way. We were doing it that way because. I had learned it from somewhere else, and you know, sometimes it's not always easy to do stuff someone else's way all of the time. He wanted his way to be right sometimes too.
2: We just have a different way of accomplishing things. That's all it boils down to. Yeah, we we wanted the same thing. You and I just have different ways of getting there. True, it doesn't make one right or one wrong. wrong right. So whatever, we're 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 getting there. We are. We're getting there.
1: So
0: what does it look like on Sunday mornings? I love, Jeff, that you said you look forward to it all week. And I, I mean, I feel the same way. If I'm sitting down and talking about growing my my, my wealth, my portfolio, my future, I would be excited too. What does the meeting actually look like?
2: It's, um, it's usually Sunday morning early. It's nothing fancy. Uh, it happens in the kitchen. And we sprawl our computers out. And then uh, we have a sheet of paper that we call Ford Family Path to Success. And that's where we list all our, debt or all our expenses and um, then we put on their goals financial goals and we talk about them just like you would at a a meeting about you know what we accomplished uh, since the last time that we met and it's it's always enjoyable uh, because we're we're accomplishing things I mean it's not like we're sitting down and the list is growing longer you know oh I bought a boat this week and then I bought it you know it's not that you know what I mean it's you know, we did this, we did that, we got. Now rid we of this heard part.
0: you sold a boat. That's what we. Heard. I did.
2: I did. I've. I have done everything I've committed to doing on. Uh, on the path of success, I'm. I'm, I'm out of tricks. So, ah. um
1: But he, he, I mean, we are definitely we live on a lake, and we are empty nesters. We're definitely going to get back into the boat business, but maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we're going to build a little bit more wealth <clears> until we feel a little bit more comfortable, and then we'll do that like we're gonna have
2: some textbook things put in place before we right we're gonna pay before we play this time instead of playing before we pay how about that? i
0: love that pay before you play we're
2: gonna pay before we play and see it's always been just the opposite for us we've just played before we
1: we've lived very much in the present and i think a lot of that has to do with Who I, who I, where I came from with money. I was always a yes, let's do it, yes, let's do it, because, you know, I'm fearful that there might not be tomorrow. So, Mm -hmm. um, but anyway,
2: Sunday mornings, we would sprawl out on the table. We have our papers all over the place, Um, coffee. We drink a lot of coffee and um, we check things off the list. We compare it to the week before and it's kind of rewarding, actually.
1: We were always anxious to get like, something paid off so we could, you know, there was something really powerful in like crossing something off of your list. And I would say like the first three or four months, you weren't, we weren't seeing, we were seeing the numbers go down, but we weren't seeing, we weren't having that actual ability to like cross things off the list. And when we started crossing things off the list, it was like the floodgates open because then it just, it was a, just like a storm. It was constantly to like, now really the only thing left on this is a student loan. And, you know, my car payment. And I mean, just household, your typical like household expense, but but no real debt. And that really feels, um, that really feels amazing.
2: Yeah. So now I think we'll, we'll do the same path of success to building wealth versus paying off debt. Now that we're in a position that we can do that to make sure that we're, um, making the most, um, out of what we have to offer.
0: So I know, Jeff, how that has made Laura feel because Laura and I talk daily about our journeys and how we feel. But for you, seeing those things crossed off the list and seeing your life kind of simplified, you know, without all the, the debt with, I mean, not that you didn't want to get rid of the boat, but just simplifying your life and taking such, such great control of your finances. How does that, how has that made you feel?
2: I feel good. I mean, I feel good. I, I you know, a little bit of me, is a little disappointed in the fact that it took me so long to get it figured out, you know, that I had to wait, you know, until I was 50 before I really kind of figured it out. You know, that's something that bothers me other than that. No, it feels good. I I like it. Um, I'm addicted to it.
1: I would say too, you had great mentors that taught you how to, Build money, uh, yeah, I, but I, never how to hang on to that's it. A, mm-hmm. That's
2: a true statement. I was taught how to make it, not mm-hmm.
1: but no one talked, n- no one ever
2: taught me what to do with it after you've made it. You mm-hmm. know, my accountant said to me, I thought about this today a little bit something about I had sold something and had had some money, and he says, Well, he said, you won't have to worry about that, you're good at spending it. And I thought, Was that a compliment, or was that a, a backhanded Uh-oh. compliment where? I am, you know, we are good at spending it maybe like in the wrong ways. <laughs> oh <my laughs> I don't know God. what he meant by that, you know? So I don't know if he meant that I would be good at reinvesting or if he meant that seems like I, our family does a good job of spending it. You know?
0: So knowing that it, it, this has just happened now and that your girls are already out of the house. So you guys lived one very different lifestyle the whole time they were home. Now they've gone off to college and one has graduated from college. So they have not see, really, they have because they've been home with you a lot the last few months because we're in a global pandemic. But are you? what are you doing to instill these values in them to help them start their adult life where you guys took a little longer to get to? And no judgment, I also took long to get to. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, it's hard to make anybody do anything obviously. So I don't know that we've actually made any of our kids do anything. We try to expose them to it. We try to lead by example. We do have a daughter that is doing really, really good, but I'm not sure if, if she's doing good because she wants to, or if she's doing good because we're managing her to do good. Kind of, you know, kind of reminding her, you know, but uh, I think it'll become a habit for her. Or I hope that it does. Mm-hmm. Looking forward.
1: Well, and I do think like she previously, you know, was going to purchase a car. And so instead of, you know, having her buy a new car, an expensive car, something that, you know, something that she could afford the payment on, we really advised her to take her time and to find something that was used with low miles, but was a great value. And, it was actually a fun project. We you did it over the holidays and really her dad, Jeff and Ashley did it together. I mean, they they were on the sites looking and they had a lot of fun conversation over several weeks. Wouldn't you say that was yep, like yep. a good bonding period no, we, for y'all? We've
2: we've done well. I think the most important thing that we need to teach our kids, which is easy to say, it's easier to say than it is to do, is to live within your means or live mm-hmm. beneath your means. And that was one of the that's probably one of the common factors uh, to all the people I listened to that were in the FI community or the fire community Mm -hmm. is um, that they all lived beneath their means or among their means. And that's kind of one thing that we didn't start doing until maybe this year. And then, so back on when, when Ashley bought her car, we tried to implement that rule. Yes, you can afford whatever you want to go buy within reason, but what if you bought, you know, put a limit on it and only spent this much money, you would be able to then take the difference and save it, or you can buy a house or whatever, you know, and and teach her those things. And like I said, she's done well. She's, she's hit her goals. I'm not sure she's hit them because she wants to hit them or is because we have helped her her. manage to hit Mm -hmm. those goals. It might turn into a habit for her.
0: So important, though. I mean, that's just it in a nutshell, learning to live beneath your means. And if every single human being could could grasp that lesson, I mean, we'd all be in a much better place. I do think the American way has been the opposite of that for a long, long time. It has kind of been the spend, spend, spend mentality and keep up with the Joneses. But, you know, you've mentioned podcasts multiple times. And I, I agree, like for me, listening to five financial independence podcasts, reading books, that's where so much education has come from. So how great that your girls are learning it now.
2: Yeah. So like everybody talks about living. I mean, I've heard that before, live beneath your means or live within your means or whatever, but I've never actually, I've never actually done it until now. I'm trying to do it now. But one example that really hit home for me is, um, I pay myself $600 for a car allowance at, at work. And, um, Laura opened my eyes to this. She said, "What? Well, you pay yourself six hundred dollars a month. Yep, and your payment is eight hundred. Why is that?" And I'm like, "Because, because it is. I mean, mm-hmm. why isn't it?" And so then I got to thinking about it, and she was like, "You know, if you would buy a car that was six hundred dollars a month, then it would be like you getting a two thousand dollar a year raise because you're going to get that two hundred dollars back." And I thought. Wow. So then I started thinking about all the, you know, cutting and living with it, you know, living. I took that example and applied it to a lot of different things. And that's when I, you know, every day I'd tell Laura, I'd say, Hey, I just gave myself a $3,000 a month raise this month. How'd you do that? Oh, I did. You know, I got rid of this or I got rid of that. Or I'm going to sell my boat. I'm going to get a $5,000 a year raise next year. How are you going to do that? I'm going to sell my boat. That's kind of what's motivated me to, to create extra money
0: the conversations you have with each other. I mean that's so important. So think of our listeners who don't talk to their spouse about money and those conversations obviously were impactful for both of you. Okay guys, one one more thing. It's a two-parter. Start with the bad and end with the the win. What would you say has been your biggest money mistake and what would you say has been your biggest financial win?
2: Well, Our biggest financial mistake is obviously we've never, ever, ever saved any money. That's a big financial mistake. But if you're talking about something that you purchased, uh, I'd have to think about that. And I'll let Laura, while I'm thinking, tell her side of the story instead (laughs) of me just answering.
1: So our biggest mistake is probably that we never saved and or I would say we never retained any of our investment properties. We always sold
2: yeah well we we sold for for short-term gain we didn't sell because we had to sell we sold for short-term gain
1: right but, but if we were if we had kept
2: t- all that if stuff, we were
1: able to have, yeah where would we be today yeah, yeah yeah so i would say that was our biggest mistake um and then maybe our biggest win is
2: our sunday meetings
1: oh oh <laughs> i don't know you think i was gonna say it is for me yeah okay i mean
2: I, I it mean, makes my heart happy yeah I would say our Sunday meetings is the biggest win for me. That's 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 for me.
1: I was going to say something financial, but that's a that's a great one. I would say our our biggest win has always been um, our home purchases. We always we never buy like the house, the dream house. We always go in looking for our way out. So if we were to invest a little bit of money or redo a kitchen or a bathroom, what could we sell it for? And we I think that that was I think to me that's the one area that we've really done exceptionally well in we always know the market really well and we always know our way out before we go in
2: we do good with all our real estate purchases Mm -hmm. i would say i would say that
1: was our that's our biggest money win Mm -hmm. and then the biggest win of all
0: all of this is that you are on the same page you sit down together every sunday morning and you work the path to success we do that is so sweet. You guys, you, you got, now I got it. I'm going to make Steve listen to this and see if he's going to start working the path of me. His response is just, I don't spend any money. So you can just figure out what you're doing. <laughs> Literally, Steve doesn't spend any money. Zero. So yeah, that makes, that makes one person here always the bad guy.
2: <laughs> it's true. We don't, we don't, there's no shame in our, we don't go through and talk about, because we're not spending any money either. Mm-mm. I've learned that I mean I've probably cut out at least $3000 of spending out of my monthly deal easy and I and I I don't miss a beat. I still have really nice clothes. I eat really well. Um I'm not sure what else. I mean I don't have a third vehicle, which is no big deal. I don't have a boat, which is not the end of the world either. Because I have other things besides a boat. You know, I have a Vanguard account now. And
0: so. isn't that more exciting than a boat? I love a Vanguard account. Um, okay. yeah. Maybe, maybe not.
2: Well, I think what's more important is to be financially independent than it is to have things. That's probably the most important thing that I've learned over this last year.
1: Is that material things aren't
0: as important? Nope. I love it, guys. I think this conversation was worth a million.
2: I asked Laura today, I said, you got anything that you can contribute to uh, the path of success this week? You got any money you can send my way? Yeah.
1: He's always looking for Uh, my money now.
2: Yep. Yep. Instead of us spending, I'm I'm trying to get it put in there. Hell, I deposited $20 in my account last week. (laughs) I never deposit $20. I can tell you that right now. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to shoot this in my account real quick because I'm going to send it to my Vanguard account instead of it being in my wallet because it would have turned into a a 12 pack of beer or a tip at the golf course or something like that so I was like, eh, I'm taking it." So funny. I look forward every week to getting my personal capital report that says you spent less money this week as you did the same time last week and I get a little grumpy if it's really tight like I like to see like big gaps.
0: Jeff and Laura, thank you so much for speaking so candidly about your financial journey. This was really interesting and really important because we talk a lot about money and relationships on this show, but usually in the context of two partners being on completely different pages when it comes to finances. In Laura and Jeff's case, they were on the same page for years. They had zero discord about finances in their family because they were on the same page. However, it wasn't necessarily the right page. Laura realized if they stayed on the same path 10 years down the road, her life was going to look nothing like she hoped it would. Laura had to go to Jeff and say, hey, I think there's some changes we could make that would have a huge impact on our future and set us up for success financially down the road. Fortunately, Jeff is a smart guy and he trusts Laura implicitly and immediately got on board. They both took time to individually educate themselves on personal finance and financial independence, and then they came together using their Path to Success meetings to meet weekly and establish and chip away at their goals. Hey guys, we know it's not easy to talk about money, especially with our spouse, especially if we're on different pages or hey, if you're on the same page and you realize it's not necessarily the right one, but it's so imperative. And I hope that Jeff and Laura inspired you to have those tough conversations if they need to be had very soon. If you're enjoying this conversation, please share us with your best friend, your gal pals, your work wives, your mom, your sister, your daughters, anyone who would benefit from talking about money with friends. And we'd love for you to join us on social media. We're at Best Friends Finance on Instagram and Facebook. And subscribe to Best Friends Finance and get the best friends in your inbox so you don't miss a beat at bestfriendsfinance.com. If you would be so kind as to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast provider, it means the world. It's how other women find us and join the conversation. So pretty pleased with sugar on top. Drop us a review. It means the world. Until next time.